0: Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome in to 104.3 The Fan's Coffee Break. Will Peterson, Cecil Lammy, Rachel V. Hill is out today filling in. Excited to work with Cecil, although we work together all the time, but excited to do a little coffee break action. All right, see you're in the backyard. You got to explain right. to folks what's right.
1: going on. I know. You're just happy, Will. I'm not trying to drive through Wyoming and join this show. True. Uh, but yes, I, I lost the survivor pool because of the stupid Indianapolis Colts last week getting blanked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I picked the Colts. I'm like, it's Jacksonville. They'll figure it out. I know they tied Houston week one and Frank Reich's team starts slow every year. I should have remembered that. So now we did the wheel of shame. What do we call that, Jake? Like the wheel, we spun the wheel. It's not Wheel of Fortune. It was like right. a real shame, and it came up that I have to do the show with my hand in the dirt since I didn't play football. So I'm back here in my backyard in the hog back in Roxborough. I'll show you the oh. beautiful mountain behind me. So, uh, yeah, like Arrowhead's right there on the other wow. side of that mountain. So, yeah, beautiful here in Roxborough. I'm just embarrassed that I got to do the show in, with my hand in the dirt. But, hey, don't pick Indianapolis, and you won't have to do this kind of stuff.
0: You know, I lost week one, but I got bailed out that both Jake and James lost too. So James ended up having to do the punishment. You were our only uh, you were our only guy to get defeated. And I was did, the only
1: loser. You, know? you can say it, Will. I was the only uh, loser, baby. Thank you, Matt Ryan, you jerk.
0: So Cecil's got his hand in the dirt. Okay, well, you know what? He's, he's a man of his word. He's honoring the punishment. I like it. Let's get into the uh, Broncos and 49ers. Uh, we'll start with the injury report, Cecil. It is a lengthy one, to say the least. My goodness. Uh, so many names on there, and obviously the big one is is the guy at the very top, um, Jerry Judy. Another DNP yesterday. I know reports yeah. at practice where he were out, he was out there with some, uh, you know, with a helmet, but he was kind of off to the side. And and frankly, if he had just gotten the limited, we would have felt better. But a DNP on Thursday, Cease. Obviously, today is a huge day for Judy. But man, you got to feel like he's less than fifty percent to go on Sunday at this point. Am I right?
1: Yeah, and I know they play on Sunday night, so I'm always thinking fantasy. And, like, from a fantasy football perspective, this is devastating for your team if you were relying on Jerry Judy because you can't wait until Sunday night and actives come out at, like, 4 to 30 or whatever, and then all of a sudden he's not going to play. Like, we should just make the assumption that he's not going to play from a fantasy perspective and also from a Broncos perspective. Friday is the big day around the entire national football league. You can be DNP, DNP. Friday limited. You might play Sunday, but again, it's Sunday night, so you don't really know Jerry Judy, and it might be a thing where they decide it's best to give him rest for one week. We'll see what happens. But right now, I'm not expecting Jerry Judy to play, which means as much Cortland Sutton as you possibly can take for the Denver Broncos, and then obviously KJ Hamler, Montrell Washington, and these sorts of players. You know, they'll they'll have to step up. Kendall Hinton will have to step up as well if Jerry Judy is out on Sunday night.
0: Well, and I want to expand on that a little bit because it felt like when Judy got injured last week, you know, we heard all that messed up the game plan. Hackett said that. Russell Wilson said that. But without Tim Patrick to cease, I mean, is it getting to the point where they need to look for outside help? Specifically, the name that I keep throwing out there is one Odell Beckham Jr.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting to note. I think that is a consideration now. You've just got too many. You know, um, I'll go back to the draft, and one of the reasons why, here I go, what are we, four minutes in, I'm going to talk about guys that aren't Montrell Washington that weren't drafted, but I was like, you don't need another wide receiver. Well, now you kind of do because of all these injuries, and Washington has shown he's not quite ready for prime time yet, you know, so who's that veteran out there? I always thought Emmanuel Sanders might come back, might be an option. I uh, thought Cole Beasley would be until so Beasley was picked up by the Buccaneers because they have. Mike Evans suspended, Chris Godwin hurt, Julio Jones hurt, Russell Gage is a little bit banged up. So they themselves have their own wide receiver issues. So now if you're the Broncos, it starts to look at like, are you looking at trades? Are you looking at free agents? Could a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. help put you over the top and help Russell Wilson in this offense look better? I'm all for that. I'm all for exploring all options and seeing what's best for the Broncos because Sutton's fantastic, but you need that other weapon. And, and you know, KJ Hamler's fine, But I don't consider him that weapon on the outside. He's more of a speed slot guy to me. Same with Montreal Washington, who I don't necessarily trust at this point. Like, you need that other weapon. So if it's Odell Beckham Jr., if it's someone else a trade or someone we're not thinking about, sure. You need to be open for all possibilities if you're the Broncos.
0: Yeah, and let us not forget that Beckham was trending toward being Super Bowl MVP last year before blowing out his ACL. So, Anyone who tells me the guy can't play anymore, uh, they're thinking of his Cleveland days. They're not paying attention to what he did in L.A. I think there's still plenty left in that tank.
1: Well, and we'll remember this. Remember when Randy Moss was a Raider Mm -hmm. and he was like awful. And then he goes to New England. I remember he did this sly interview in the preseason. because I don't think he played that preseason, his first preseason with the Patriots. And he just had this grin like, I don't know what I have left. And then he went out there and that was the year Tom Brady had like 50 touchdowns and it's like, okay, when you're with a bad team, sometimes you're not going to look the way that you could look. And Odell Beckham Jr. He brings plenty of baggage along with him, of course, Uh, probably Dior baggage. But anyway, like I'm trying to think of fancy Louis Vuitton, right? Trying to think of fancy luggage, but like he brings that fancy luggage with him, but he also brings a lot of game. He's still got plenty of game. So people are saying that I don't want him. He can't play. Like you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, another major injury obviously suffered against the Texans was Pat Sertan the second, but he did uh, go yesterday in a limited fashion. Andrew Mason from DenverFan.com shooting this video of Sertan here. We know it was a shoulder cease, but we never saw a replay of the injury. Uh, it was hard to pinpoint exactly when he got hurt. But, I mean, him being out there in the rain yesterday, limited fashion, you one have to think he's trending toward playing, and two, it's obviously critical he plays with the 49ers having uh, both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk.
1: Yeah, multiple weapons to get after it. And I even talked about on an Orange and Blue today, yesterday with Andrew Mason, like could you see him put on George Kittle? We saw it with the keep to leave. I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens, but it's a consideration. Like it's worth thinking about. Remember when a keep to leave used to cover Rob Gronkowski, and he do it really well. Like, Pat Sertan's got that capability to go up against that big man, George Kittle, and maybe not shut him down, but slow him down, to be sure. But then you have to worry about Debo. Then you have to worry about Brandon Ayuk. You've got multiple weapons there with the 49ers, including a, a ground game that will run the ball. It doesn't matter if it's Jeff Wilson or Jordan Mason undrafted out of Georgia Tech. It doesn't matter. Like, the 49ers have a really good offense. Broncos are used to practicing against it. I'm sure we'll talk about that as the show goes on. But having Sertan out there is really good for whoever you put them on, you're probably going to put them on Debo and say, let's try to take Debo out of the game. And Brandon Ioka beat ya, and George Kittle will beat ya, And well, the Broncos, you're going to get beat if you don't play better football somehow, some way.
0: Well, and I think, Cecil, you know, you could obviously get away without having Sertan against the Texans. You know, it's kind of Brandon Cooks and then the end of the world in Houston. But to me, it, it sort of feels like if Sertan doesn't play, I'm not sure they have much of a chance If he does play, I think this game looks to be a little bit more of a coin flip. Am I on to something there?
1: Uh, You are, and it's closer to a coin flip. I still think the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is just such bad news for Denver. Now, it can be good news. My three keys is DenverFan.com right now. Like, okay, let Jimmy be Jimmy. He's going to throw you the ball a couple, three times. So be ready for that. If you're on Darby, be ready. Ball's coming to you. And we can't afford for Darby to knock it down. I sound like Tommy Jackson there. Knock it down. Like, no, no, you can't afford that. You've got to get those picks. You've got to get your hands on the balls. If there's tips and overthrows, you've got to get those if you are the Denver Broncos' defense because Jimmy Garoppolo will throw it to you, but he also can run the system more efficiently than Trey Lance. Trey Lance has better upside. Trey Lance is unknown upside. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you've got tons of film, but having him out there, if you don't have Sertan, you're dead. If you do have Sertan, you've you got a little life in you but still, you're facing a very well-oiled machine, and they know what to do with Jimmy. I've talked to plenty of people around that building, like, "Hey, you got to limit some things. He's never going to go deep, so you got to make sure you give him, you know, super easy options, and then just throw it away if it's not there." And Jimmy will still make some boneheaded plays. So the 49ers know exactly what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Broncos should know what to expect, but you're still facing a more dangerous team. A very well oiled offense with Garoppolo running the show.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, for the first time in eight years, Cecil, the Broncos will wear their blue on blue on Sunday night football against the 49ers. Um, 2014, last time they rocked this uniform combo. I know Andrew Mason is a, a big uniform guy, but where do you check in on how much you care about the uniforms? And the blue on blue, it's something, again, we haven't seen in nearly a decade. How do we feel uh, about this uni combo and how will it look on NBC in front of, I don't know, 25, 30 million people on Sunday night?
1: As long as they don't get embarrassed, right? I know John Elway didn't like them. He always said they looked like blueberries. So that kind of reminds me. I think some of the big guys, you know, like Orlando Franklin or whatever, he didn't like wearing it. So you know, yeah, it's a combination we don't often see. It's interesting. It's fun. I still think they need new jerseys, which will be coming, but, like, for me, did they win the last time they wore them? Because this time, you know, what they look like a bunch of blueberries or berries, right? If I'm going to do a right. South Park reference, like, this. Remember, remember 2014? Like, remember Peyton Manning? Like, as long as they win on Sunday night, it's all good. I don't care what they're wearing out there.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It, it is interesting to me that You know, people get fired up about uniforms, and and I feel like uniforms are one of those things. And I know you've campaigned for the new uniforms, and they think they're coming. But I feel like people are either all in on them or all out. Like there's, there, you have a strong opinion one way or another. I've never met a guy who's kind of on uniforms. People either don't care or they're the most important thing going.
1: Right, right. I guess it's all about the fit. Right, it's all about the look. I know today. When I started, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna wear my Anthrax hat for the show. Well, I better wear something that matches." And I wasn't gonna wear Steelers gear right. on a Broncos show, but I was like, "Okay, now I gotta—I don't have Jordans on because I'm in the backyard. I don't want to get them dirty. I got my hand in the dirt, but Jake Shapiro didn't tell me I had to have my Jordans in the dirt. So no, 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 no Jordans. Just wearing boots out here in the backyard. But yeah, it's all about the fit, right? People care about the look, and that's cool when." You know, you're out in the mountain in the high city and you see the people with the abs gear and they got the whole look or you've got the Nuggets gear. Uh, the problem with the Nuggets is they have so many different jerseys, right. so many different looks. You're like, what is that? Oh, that's a Nuggets. Okay. Like, oh, I'd rather have them rock the cra- the classic Crayola jerseys, like the Dikem Matumbo Mutombo jerseys. Um, I don't mind the Antonio McDice maroon ones. I know a lot of people don't like those, but yeah, it's about the fit. You're a sports fan. You want to look good. You want to represent. And uh, well, that's what you do with the right fit.
0: There you go. I love it. If you are just tuning in to Coffee Break, Cecil Lammy lost our survivor pool. So he's in his backyard doing the show with his hand in the dirt. That's what the Wheel of Shame determined his punishment to be. Uh, James only had to buy coffee. Cecil, Cecil got a little tougher one here in week two. We'll, we'll get to week three in a little bit. But the most interesting quote from Nathaniel Hackett yesterday, Cecil, was about learning how to become a head coach and not thinking about an offense being an offensive coordinator anymore this was sparked by kyle shanahan on a conference call with denver media saying he was too aggressive when he first started as a head coach because he was thinking like an oc we're going to go ahead and hear from nathaniel hackett so we can provide some context and then we'll discuss it oh until you're actually in that seat
1: no matter because he's the same kind of experience that you Yeah, I mean, it definitely has been a transition. I think that you've always been a coordinator. You've always been from the standpoint if you want to score touchdowns, that's always your initial gut reaction. And, uh, you know, as I'm learning more, you have to remove that emotion as an offensive play caller. You have to look at it from a head coach standpoint, what's best for the team at that time. So uh, I think as I continue to reflect on what has happened and continually learn from it, that'll make me more efficient and uh, utilizing as many people as I can so that it's not about, just trying to be aggressive all the time but be aggressive in the right situation.
0: How difficult Ah, uh, we may have lost Cecil Lammy, he's switching over to a laptop. But I wrote about this yesterday at denverfan.com and I want to discuss that answer because this is the third time this week we have sort of had a reflective Nathaniel Hackett on Monday He admitted he was not good enough against the Texans and his multiple mistakes had to be cleaned up on Wednesday. Hackett said potential is kind of a scary word because he doesn't care about potential. He cares about points. And then on Thursday he admits that, yeah, I have to stop thinking like an offensive coordinator and start thinking like a head coach. See, that's now three pressers this week. Three, Nathaniel Hackett, I'm screwing up. I got to do better. So a two-part question, larger takeaways from that, like as Hackett won the press conferences this week? But then that specifically, how hard is that transition? And why is he making that in week three? Why didn't he make that three months ago, six months ago when he took the job?
1: Right, and it's just the inexperience. And it's shocking because he's a football brat. You know what I mean? He grew up in this world with paul hackett as his dad and at least he's getting it like did he win the press conferences well i guess we remember after the seattle game it's like it's my fault guys but it's totally not because of this and this and this and this it's like well wait a second dude like fall on the sword fall on the sword and they won last week and it still felt like a loss so he's fallen on the sword multiple times but enough of a like wayne's world we suck like no like dude hackett go out there and be better Go out and perform better, and then you won't have to do this at press conferences. And it's a refreshing honesty, to be sure. And we know this about, and you know this, Will, from being around the Broncos so long, like, they're well coached on what to say. Patrick Smythe is one of the best PR guys in all of the NFL. Hell, everyone that works for the Broncos goes on to work for the NFL, work around the league. Like, they have a great track record, to be sure. So it's kind of shocking after Seattle that Hackett backtracked after admitting his mistakes. And then he backtracked. I didn't like that this week. I do like the fact that he's admitting his mistakes, but it's almost a little bit too much, right? You know, like it's the, are you mad at me person, right? We've all had relationships, working relationships, personal relationships. where you have got that. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? I'm sorry. I suck. I'm sorry. I'm so bad. Like, I'm sorry. No, dude, go out and be better. You know, that's what Hackett needs to do. And I'd like to see it on Sunday night. I don't feel good about this game though. I don't, but if Hackett makes better decisions, again, part of my three keys at DenverFan.com, then you're going to see better play from this team and perhaps a closer ball game. I still predict a 49ers win, but perhaps a closer ball game if Hackett
2: makes better decisions.
0: Yeah, let's hit on that a little bit more. Like, is this a a fork in the road game for Nathaniel Hackett? Because, you know, it's on Sunday Night Football. So if he embarrasses himself again, that will be the second time in three weeks that he's done it in front of the entire NFL. And the third time in three weeks that he's done it you know, it, altogether, it would be his third straight terrible game. Now, when you're playing at 225 against Houston and there's, you know, Dallas and Cincy on national TV, that game's kind of buried. So it's not going to necessarily receive the national attention. But Cecil, he got torched after week one. People picked up on week two, again, nationally, that he had another really bad game and the, the crowd was counting down the play clock. If he does it again on Sunday Night Football and he's got Chris Collinsworth ripping him,
1: how now here's bad. a guy
0: yeah how well true how bad is this for nathaniel hackett and like is this if, if he has another bad one which we all hope he doesn't is this where greg penner's patience probably starts to get tested
1: yes and that's the the thing that they have now now here's a guy in greg banner greg penner that has billions and billions of dollars i'm doing my chris collins i got it now. Now, here's a guy, and that's the great thing. When I said Dynasty and everyone chirping at me, like, let him play a game before we talk Dynasty, I'm not talking about the players necessarily, although I do believe in this team. I believe in the talent. I tweeted that out and I got chirped at. I'm like, Twitter's just, Twitter is god awful. Okay. First off, it's an echo chamber. You totally agree with me, right? Woo, yay, Twitter. Like, Twitter's awful. Okay. Just bottom line, you can't convince me otherwise. But when I said, hey, I believe in this talent, the coaching's got to get better. I got chirped up. Oh, what are you talking about? No, we've heard this for six years. I get it, man. I get it. You guys are completely, you know, abused by this team. I understand that over the last six years, it's been god awful. It's embarrassing this year. They should have been way better. I don't think it's great conversation. I've been told that by people, by the way, by some higher ups. Like, oh, the league loves this great conversation. Great conversation. The Broncos stink. They're one and one. They barely beat a bad Houston team and got beat by a bad Seattle team. So for me, like, it's hack it because what you have, and when I get back to my Dynasty talk, I go, it's Walton Penner, okay? It's Melody Hobson. It's Condoleezza Rice. You know, it's all these people that come together that understand business and understand success. And, Will, you and I are fortunate because we get to be around people you know, like the Orlando Franklins, right? Like the Mark Schleras, these people that have been very successful in in their different ventures, et cetera. And when I just observe these guys and I watch what a Chad Brown does business-wise, I watch what a Brandon Stokely does as a businessman, you know, Stink, Orlando, et cetera. And I go, these guys don't really fail. Like, you'll have some stumbling blocks to be sure. But with Walton Penner, when you're worth 70 billion, it's not because you've, you know, we're okay being mediocre. Like, that's why I still feel confident in saying Dynasty. Dynasty doesn't mean with Nathaniel Hackett because if you're Greg Penner, if you're Walton Penner Group, you're like, you didn't buy this team. You didn't spend four and a half billion dollars with AB to say we're okay being average. Like, Nathaniel Hackett, I hate to say one or done, but like, that is a danger. That everything, anything is possible. Isn't that what KG said? Right, yep. like, anything is possible, sir. If you're end you hack it, turn it around, bud. Because this team, they're gonna look at you. You're not their guy. They're gonna look at you and be like, "Wait, wait, Russell Wilson, we paid. Check. We like George Payton, got the talent. Check. Wait, wait, wait. Which who's not fitting in? Oh, you. Wait, you. Yeah, you're gone. Hack it. So you got to turn it around, man. You got to look better.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah, I wrote on Tuesday that you know Penner may have to make tough decisions. Sooner rather than later, and, and to your point that billionaires are billionaires for a reason. They don't stand people not being good at their jobs because then their businesses don't work. So yeah, that's something worth monitoring. But I do want to move on quickly to Dwayne Stoops yesterday, Cecil. This whole Montreal Washington debate. Why was he not on the field? Should he have been on the field? Did he actually make a good decision? Stoops says Montreal Washington is a hero. Take a listen. I about awareness of what the defense is doing when
2: it's third down and all
1: of that. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can blame Montrell for that, correct? Um, and there's no disrespect by this statement to the defense, but we made a big play on defense. We got a sack, whatever the case may be. They celebrated a little longer than we anticipated. Houston got their punt team on the field with urgency, and the clock was going tick, tick, tick. So, as far as having a conversation with Montrell, Montreal's in tune to situation football because we always talk about situation football.
0: He was ready, prepared to go. Just can't sit him out there. We already have twelve guys out there. That would have been a bad look for me at the special team coordinator. One of the final plays. All right. So we gotta break this down because I talked about it yesterday with d a little bit with Jake Shapiro when I was sitting in on the drive. Cecil, if Montrell goes on the field they get a 12-man penalty on the field. Houston gets five more yards and probably kicks a field goal to make it 13-12. to 12. If you're reading between the lines on Dwayne Stooks' answer, he's basically saying Montreal Washington not only saved us five yards, but he saved us three points because the defense celebrated too long. So he's a smart player, and don't blame him and say he was unprepared. Are you buying the Stooks' explanation, and did Montreal Washington – Save the Broncos three points.
1: As the greatest draft pick uh, history has ever known. Like, and I like Montreal. That's a bad thing. Like, it's uh, speaking of getting tripped up, like, oh you hate Montreal. Like, no, I don't hate Montreal. But I think it's stupid when people in the Denver media, not on the fan, but other people in the Denver media be like, I totally knew Montrell Washington could play. Hey, moron, we all saw the Florida game, okay? Like, yes, we all know he's fast and quick. You can't be Marco Polo with a guy from Sanford that nobody knew until the Broncos picked him. Nobody except for, like, me and Mace. I'm sorry to be Aloha, but that's just the case. Like, the physical stuff is easy with Montrell. But if he's really worried about 12 men on the field, run out there and tell someone to get their ass off, okay? Start hollering. Hollering at the coach. Raise a stink. Don't just stay on the sidelines. When you're the returner, not somebody else, you – So, you know, if there's 12 men on the field and they're Easton and what ifs and the butterfly effect, like, yeah, I'll do the butterfly effect of what if I wasn't sitting outside in a windstorm and also I'll do the butterfly effect of what if the Broncos had taken a Jalen Watson who had a pick six to win the game for the Chiefs against the Chargers? What if they had taken Isaiah Pacheco who led the Chiefs in rushing? I know, I know, against the Cardinals. Like, what if they had taken – uh, these other players that I wanted, uh, Tariq Tariq Woolen, who's six four and runs a four two forty at the cornerback position, with your cornerback injuries right now, how would that look instead of a Division two returner? Yes, he's fast and he's a really nice kid. Like I don't mean to bang on it, but Stukes, you ain't got to lie to kick it, Dwayne. You ain't got to lie to kick it.
0: All right, I had to work Montreal, Washington, into the show because I knew I would get Cecil fired up. So it worked, and it did not disappoint. But another guy who's gotten people fired up all over Denver for a really, really long time had his retirement party last night, and that is the legendary Sandy Clough. Cecil, you were there. I was as well. Uh, We've got your photo. You said it was great celebrating a legend tonight at Sandy's retirement party. I grew up listening to Sandy And his knowledge and passion for sports is unrivaled. A dear friend who I've always looked up to, hashtag GOAT. Um, You know, that is an appropriate hashtag for Sandy. He is absolutely on the Mount Rushmore of Denver Sports Talk Radio. You know, I know Irv and Jell are up there too. And um, you you can debate some other folks. But there's no question that Sandy Clough is a a legend. Uh, So many people came out last night. It was so good to see so many people not only from the fan, but just from other outlets around Denver that we're all friends with, so many you know, folks who work in the building, maybe on the sales side or the promotion side, Sandy's friends, uh, family. like It was just so fun to celebrate Sandy, and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, obviously, on Sandy. I know you shared him the day he retired, but, but also on last night as well.
1: Yeah, last night was great because you saw the respect. And in this business, Will, you know, there's a lot of bad people in this business there's some good people, though. And Sandy Club is obviously one of the good ones. And just when you have that passion for sports, when you have that knowledge, when you have that intent to be great. When Sandy cracked the mic, it wasn't because, oh, you know, punching a clock or time to make the donuts or whatever. Like, Sandy cracked the mic because he loves it, man. Because he loves talking about sports. Because he loves giving you the real. And that's the authenticity is something I think is missing in today's media. Because there's a lot of people out there that like, let's just start a website and do nothing but blow bubbles at the local teams. Like, that's not real sports coverage. That's not real media. That's you being a fan, being like, we're number one. Yay, foam finger. Like, sometimes you got to tell it like it is. And sometimes it stings. But that's the best way the honesty, the authenticity. Sandy has said at Elways with John, drinking a tumbler of whiskey. And tell Johnny stinks or just messed right. up that draft pick. And John had listened. That's the type of respect that Sandy Clough has.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. A really, really nice evening overall. And just so much fun to uh, to honor Sandy. And uh, I got a hunch we'll be seeing him around, Cease. So I, don't, I don't doubt that. So uh, certainly just a little bit of a goodbye for now, but not forever by any stretch. All right, let's move on to a, a Big, important segment on Friday Coffee Break, and that is Cecil's Fantasy Five.
2: High five! Who do you
1: start? Who do you sit? Any sleepers? Here's Cecil Lemmy with this week's five fantasy tips.
0: Oh, okay. We've got uh, Cecil's five fantasy tips presented by Hooters. Love our good friends over at Hooters. Jake, though, I am not Rachel Vihill. Um... (laughs) She is on vacation today, so uh, we love Hooters. Good, like we said, good friends over there, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll take this graphic off sooner rather than later. No rush, though. But let's get into it with fantasy tip number one, capturing windows. Cecil, what do you got this week for the people?
1: Christian McCaffrey is a top five pick anytime he plays, and you can't expect him to play the whole year. So when people are like, I'm really worried about McCaffrey – fine but you have them you start them and you play them and you capture windows you're looking at the waiver wire which we're going to talk about and you you know you try to get the best players you possibly can you're capturing a window fantasy football ain't love all right it's not forever so you can't get these players and think this is my team set it and forget it like you have to be active and you have to understand that if you have a player like McCaffrey and that window is Six games. Well, good. You got an RB1 for six games. If that window is 12 games or you know, 15 games, awesome. It's not going to be the whole year. So go out and capture those windows. Don't ever manage your fantasy team based off of fear. Say, oh, they're using them too much. Oh, man, look at Najee Harris last night, right? He's already got an aggravated Liz Frank injury. But if you didn't start him against Cleveland, you missed out. Like, don't worry about that. Capture those windows, and if it is a player that's going to be overused or break down or whatever, James Conner with the Cardinals, his injury seal's already broken. Yeah, capture that window. Maybe Conner doesn't have much left this year, but maybe he does. Don't worry about it. Get the window while you
0: can. I like it. By the way, McCaffrey is off the injury report, so good news for folks who uh, have him in their leagues. All right, let's move on to fantasy tip. Number
1: two, the waiver wire snooze fest, Cecil. Yes, waiver wire snooze fest. Wake me up when there's somebody good on the waiver wire. And I think you're seeing a few things. One, this year is basically like preseason, the first month of the season. It's been that way for a while. But as more teams don't play their players in the preseason, you get to the regular season and you just see some bad football. Because of that, you don't necessarily have the replacement level players that you need Cause they're still trying to get up to speed. So if you look over the waiver wire and you're like, I guess I'm picking up Jacoby Brissett this week. Like it's just not good. If you have some injuries, if you're dealing with some things, you want to go out there and try to find somebody It's pretty thin. I haven't really experienced the waiver wire like this. i played fantasy football since 1993. So what this says is you're going to have to be more creative in the way that you build your team. You're going to have to be more active. Maybe some trades. we got all this conversation to talk about. But know that the waiver wire is not your saver. If you've drafted poorly, you're probably going to have a poor result this year because most of the time the waiver wire could save you. Not now. It's looking pretty thin. And maybe that changes in October. But right now, don't look at the waiver wires as the saver of your team.
0: All right. Well, go make some trades to improve your team, I guess, then, if you uh, had a tough draft night. Fantasy tip number three, stacking chips. Cecil, what does that yes. mean?
1: Yes. Yes. That means it's almost like a DFS thing. When you stack a certain team, as many players that they'll allow you on FanDuel or DraftKings or wherever you play DFS. It's that same way now in redraft formats and the formats that most of us play in right now. Just stack your chips, okay? I get a lot of questions about, you know, is this uh, Juju Smith-Schuster week? Every week's a Juju Smith-Schuster week. I don't even care if he's got three for 30 one week because it's the Chiefs offense. With the Bills, we're watching the injury status of Gabe Davis, right? I believe Davis was limited uh, yesterday. We'll watch the status today. Again, Friday's the midday. And, man, alive, that's a big game against Miami coming up for the Bills. That's going to be fun to watch. But when you have these type of offenses, I don't know about Gabe Davis. I got Isaiah McKenzie as a what-the-heck flex. Yes. You know, I got James Cook. I'll put him in as a flex play. Yes. Why? You're stacking chips. That's Josh Allen, baby. I don't have Josh Allen, but if I have James Cook or have Isaiah McKenzie, I got a piece, right? It's like buying crypto, right? You have a a piece. you go on Robin Hood. You get a little bit of. Bitcoin, right? But you've got a piece of Josh Allen, so get that, invest in that, and don't be afraid to stack those chips, and don't be afraid to like, I mean, I got three bills started this week. You're probably going to win, so stack those chips.
0: I love it. If you have a good offense, play those players. All right, moving on to fantasy tip number four: the comeback to me, Cecil Lammy.
1: Yeah, come back, baby, come back. Yeah, and the comeback to me means. The players that you're not relying on now, but they will be back. And this could lean towards, let's say, an Aaron Rodgers. And this is where I get into the trade conversation. Like, you've got some disgruntled – hell, Rodgers himself is disgruntled. Um, But you have some players that are underperforming. James Conner, as I mentioned earlier, you've got some players like you expected a little bit more from, and it's not there yet. Well, let them come back to you. Either have the patience to keep them they're upper echelon players like a, or throw out some trade offers. Waiver wire's not working this year. Throw out and just start to just carpet blanket everybody. Just blanket everybody in your league. Throw out those trades and get one of those players that you can hold on to and it'll come back. You know, Chris Godwin, he's hurt for the Buccaneers. It'll come back. But if there's someone pissed off about Tom Brady, you know what I'm doing? I'm sending him a trade request, like, boom, in your inbox right now. Can I have Tom Brady? I wouldn't mind Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Sure, maybe right now it doesn't look great based on Brady with wide receiver injuries and Rodgers with the, well, wide receiver injuries plus lack of no Devontae Adams. Like, That's fine, but it'll come back. So don't be afraid to forecast this thing and start thinking about who's down now and whose stock's going to be up later.
0: Cecil telling you to play the long game. I like it. All right. Our final fantasy tip of the week is toss it out. I have a feeling where you're going with this, but you're the expert. What does this one mean?
1: Yep. Toss it out. Five trades everywhere. I've mentioned it more than once in this fantasy segment. Trades are the way that you're going to have to make your team better this year. The waiver wire is unreliable. So do not be afraid. And I hope that you don't play in a league. I would advise you to immediately quit your league. Like right now, today, if you play in a league where every other owner can vote on your trade, like the trade vetoes that I hear about, because if you can get a smoking deal, you can get a smoking deal, right? I hit up, uh, Will, I'll let you a little insight on me. You know what I do Friday mornings before coffee break? I hit up Craigslist. I go look at all the garage sales I have comic books, and I go see what I can find. Maybe I'm going to find me some old Spider-Mans. Maybe I'm going to find me some old Batmans. Maybe I to find a damn thing. But I'm going to look. I'm going to toss it out there. And if you're in fantasy, you got to treat it like a garage sale. I don't know. It's a couple bucks for this. And you got to find it. you got to find those gems. you got to toss it out. you got to throw it out there because you have to make your team better. It's not going to last the entire season. Fantasy football is not love. The waiver wire is unreliable. Don't be afraid just to throw out trades left and right. And hopefully, as long as the other owners in your league can't veto your trades, You'll get some of those unexpected results uh, in a trade with one of your other owners.
0: Cecil always hunting for a bargain in real life and in fantasy. We love it. That was his five fantasy tips presented by Hooters. Great stuff as always, my man. And uh, you, you got me thinking on my own team. So that's uh, that's appreciated because I'm 0-2. I'm a little desperate. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Najee Harris and Christian McCaffrey. I have both of them. I have right. Evo Samuel. I am in an auction format. I spent big on the three Really?
1: You did, yeah. And
0: then, and then my depth kind of sucks. So I do have Jerry Judy, though. So I'm hoping he plays on uh, on Sunday night. My team is better on paper than it is in real life. So we'll and see. that's
1: so frustrating from fantasy because sometimes you just go bud sod. I'll draft fairly well, most all the time, unless I've been drinking too much. And, like, that sometimes you just run up against the high score of the week. It's the person in your office that doesn't pay attention to football, that just joins your fantasy league and an auto-draft forum, and you get buzzsawed by that person. It's so very frustrating, but you have the power. And I'm glad you play in an auction, Will, because once you do auction, you'll never go back. Like, drafts oh, yeah. are fine. Drafts are fine. But auction is pure, sweet capitalism, baby. You want that in combination? You want Najee? You want Christian? You want Devo? Go spend that money. Go get those guys, because you can in an auction. You can't do that in a draft.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Uh, Cecil's in the backyard today with his hand in the dirt because he lost our survivor pool a week ago. He was the only loser of the week. But we're going to look for week three picks now. And Cecil, we've got a lot of folks on the Chargers, James, myself, Rachel, and Mace. They, of course, are welcoming in Jacksonville. Um, A little bit of a dangerous pick if Justin Herbert doesn't go, but looks like he's trending in that direction Jake is dipping into the Bears. That is now two of three weeks he's been on the Bears. Uh, One time he was on the wrong side of them, and they burned him with the Niners. This time we'll see if the Texans can burn him, and he will hate the Bears forever. Dmac is on the Eagles. Listen, they have the Commanders. Eagles look quite good so far this year. And then Cease, the lone wolf there on the Bengals. Uh, I actually like that Cincinnati pick because it's hard to see them going to 0-3 it's even harder to see them going to zero and three because they lose to the stinking Jets.
1: Yeah, and you look at the situation, you go, okay. And one, the Jacksonville thing—Jacksonville might be the char- beat the Chargers. Like that Trevor Lawrence looks, out. Lots of looks improved. improved. Yeah, it would be. You Who's know. in the dirt next week, right? So, like, uh, it, it would be interesting to be sure. But with the Bengals, man, you got to figure out a way to protect Joe Burrow better. You've got to be better at that. Shorter passes. Your receivers are getting healthier. I know T Higgins has been a little bit banged up there, but Jamar Chase is awesome. Tyler Boyd is awesome. You've got Hayden Hurst at tight end. And where's Joe Mixon? At least you don't have Joe Mixon on your fantasy team, Will, because most people would be like, where is he? Where is he? Like Batman, where is he? Like, okay, uh, Joe Mixon, you could use him more to slow down these pass rushers you are just beating up Joe Burrow. I don't want Joe Burrow to go the way of Andrew Luck a talent that was robbed from us because the Colts couldn't protect him and he just retired to get away from the punishment. I don't want Burrow to be that guy.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, we're going to bring in our own Jake Shapiro now for a thing we do every Friday on Coffee Break, and that is our game day forecast. Jake, it was um, a little dicey the last couple of days around in Denver. I like the cooler weather, but it looks gorgeous today, and uh, I assume we are trending that way for Sunday.
2: Yeah. Things are looking gorgeous for Sunday and will Cecil. So I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but the sun is now setting before 7 PM and the sun is going to set right around kickoff come week three Broncos 49ers. So we're going to get a really nice Broncos sunset, hopefully uh, a gorgeous start to that game. And yes, Will, it's going to be a lot warmer than it's been the last few days. It's good news. If you're going to the Rockies fireworks game, like me tonight, uh, it's not going to be freezing cold and raining. It's going to be warm. It's going to be nice. So let's take a look at the forecast. Sunday at kickoff, 620, 72 degrees, clear, mostly dark skies for the for the night because it's going to be sunset for most of the game, unlike their last primetime game and just a little bit of a light wind. So great weather for a football game on Sunday. Yeah, there's no
0: doubt about it. That's three weeks in a row now. The Broncos have played in uh, pretty good weather. Uh, Cecil, real quick on that. How do you think this team's game will translate to the weather getting worse? And will that be the catalyst that makes them run the damn football more?
1: I hope so. I hope the catalyst is just smart coaching because that's what you need to do. I wrote about it at denverfan.com earlier this week. Like one of the three easy fixes is run the ball. Just run the ball. Run
2: the
1: dang ball. There you go, Sandra Bullock. Thank you. I remember I interviewed Michael Orr at the Senior Bowl because that was the year uh, right before that movie came out. And uh, I had to ask him about, like, what's it like? Your life story is a movie. And he's like, I don't know anything about it. I was like, it's your life story, Michael. Anyway, uh, that's my Michael Orr story, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, run the ball. It's the easiest fix the Broncos could do. And hopefully the weather, Nathaniel Hackett waking up, Russell Wilson, again, aloha. Russ, tell him, man. Tell him. Run the ball. Set it up. This needs to be more comfortable for Russ. Broncos need to make it happen.
0: Nice. Well, Cecil, you've sat in the dirt long enough. We've got about five more minutes on coffee break. Dick and I are going to hit a little Nuggets talk. So thank you for being a good sport, and we will let you go and get your butt and your hand out of the dirt. Good stuff (laughs) always, Cecil. We'll catch you later, all right, man? Thanks, everybody. See you, Cecil. There he goes, Cecil Lammy. Uh, Again, being a good sport, losing the survivor pool last week and doing it. I think, Jake, he was sitting on his behind the whole time in in the yard.
2: Yeah, and and that's what we wanted, Will. We wanted, without context, Cecil Lammy saying Nathaniel Hackett could be fired this season while sitting in a patch of dirt. It's perfect. Out of context, it's amazing. All right. Well, I brought you in
0: here uh, for the last just two, three minutes of the show Because there was some NBA news this morning, and not NBA news in the sense of hard news, but sort of manufactured news. We all know how these lists go. They get people talking, and ESPN revealed their final five players in the top 100 today. Uh, No surprises. We knew this would be the order after they went six through 10 yesterday, and Durant and LeBron did not um, uh, land in the top five. They landed six through 10. So we knew it would be these five players. Obviously, uh, Steph Curry gets in at 5, Joel Embiid at 4, Luka Doncic at 3. Our guy, the Joker, Nikola Jokic at 2, and Giannis Antetokounmpo checks in at number 1. Jake, it's, it's good to see Jokic at 2. Like, we, we, we always talk about, is Jokic respected enough? Well, if ESPN calls you the second best player in the NBA, you're getting respect, obviously. But the back-to-back MVP not landing at number 1, is that a slight?
2: um in a way i guess he moves up from six to two and it's really hard to move up from six to two in a year like that's an incredible leap because when you get to that top end of the sport it's hard there's only one guy in the sport that i will not be offended if you take over jokic one guy and it's Giannis and de kumpo uh Giannis is also a two-time mvp he also just won a finals MVP. He also has been incredible in Eurobasket. Uh he's had a couple great seasons here while Jokic has won back-to-back MVPs. Uh so if you're gonna go with Giannis over Jokic, that's the one guy where I go, yeah, I get it. Uh anyone else? So there there have been lists that have come out where it's like LeBron's still better than Jokic. I think Nick Wright was just trolling. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh Jokic is clearly either the best player in basketball or the second best player in basketball. Jokic has stepped up his game in the postseason. We just haven't seen enough of it because his team hasn't been good enough. So we haven't seen the the, the multitude of performances, uh, but he's phenomenal. He's Like I said, he's either one or two. He's been number one in the regular season the last two years and maybe two in the postseason to Giannis.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. If I had seen him beat above Jokic this morning, I would have had a temper tantrum. I would have thrown a fit. Uh, even Steph, you know, for as great as he was leading the Warriors to yet another title. Come on, man. He's not better than Nicole Jokic. Jokic is so much more of a complete player. So if either of those two had been ahead of Jokic, I would not have been happy. I even thought Luka might have because Lucas has got so much hype, but it was good to see the Joker check in above Luka as well. I would have loved for him to be number one, but Giannis is the Greek freak for a reason. He is a freak. He is an unbelievable basketball player. So I'm with you. Do I wish Jokic was one? Yes. Am I going to get foe riled up that he's not one? No, it's still a very good ranking and still a very good sign that the respect is there for Nikola Jokic. All right, Jake, that is going to do it for Coffee Break today. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate Cecil Lammy. Appreciate you doing such a good job behind the scenes, Jake. Rachel Hill hope she's enjoying her vacation. But she ain't missing a Broncos game. She will be back Sunday for pregame and postgame. Jake's got his dinger on, as we call it, a day. He'll be at the Rocks tonight. And, uh, by the way, you can catch Jake and I and James Merrill at Halftime Chill on Sunday night, Niners and Broncos. Appreciate everyone tuning in. We will see you Sunday for another full day of Denver Broncos covers. Take care.